everybody. Welcome back to another week of Gnarly Data Waves. Again, this program presented by Dremio. I'm Alex Prasad. I am your host. And uh, this week, we're going to be doing Apache Iceberg Office Hours. So basically, very soon we'll be doing is we'll be opening it up to your questions about Apache Iceberg. We have a team here that are eager to answer your questions and, uh, yeah, make it make life easier when it comes to Iceberg. And uh, all that good stuff. But before we get started, a couple of little uh, housekeeping. Uh, one, we always encourage you to kind of get hands-on with the Data Lake House. So we encourage you to head over to Dremio.com and try out the Dremio test drive where you can get hands-on with Dremio and just you know run a few queries, get connected to Tableau so you can see the power of basically using the Data Lake House. Um, also on March 1st and March 2nd, uh, we'll be doing the Subsurface Conference, our annual Data Lake House Conference. And this year is going to be special because not only are we doing the conference virtually, but there will also be in-person locations in San Francisco, New York, and London. All you have to do is uh, register over there at dremio.com slash subsurface slash live slash 2023. You could also just go to dremio.com slash subsurface and you'll get to the registration page. But again, when you register, you can make a request to see if you can, if there's availability for our San Francisco, New York, and London locations for the in-person. And if you're in New York, I'll be there. So hopefully you'll, you'll be able to say hi. Okay. And again, we do gnarly data waves every week. And not only can you watch it live, but you can also watch it after the fact um, on, on YouTube by subscribing at youtube.com slash Dremio or uh, subscribing to gnarly data waves on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, next week, we'll be having the total economic impact of the data lake house. We'll be exploring sort of like, hey, actual physical examples of like how uh, a data lake house implementation has reduced costs for data lake house users. And then the following week we'll be talking about Hadoop modernization, how to take your existing sort of Hadoop infrastructure and modernize it uh, with the tools available today. Okay. And again, today we're gonna to be doing Apache Iceberg Office Hours. And this will be our cast. Uh, Jason Hughes and Dipanka Muzumda are both um, ill today. So uh, they will be probably joining us on the next I Apache Iceberg Office Hours. Again, we aim to do these every about six to eight weeks. Uh, I will, I'm here, Alex from State Developer Advocate. We have Ajanta Tabat, open source software engineer uh, working on Iceberg. Dmitry uh, Borlachov, uh, senior OSS developer and Scott Cowell, software engineer, all working on Iceberg. Okay, and basically let's begin first we just a little vignette talking about Apache Iceberg partitioning. So and again, in the previous time we did this, we kind of started off, we did a little talk about like merge on read and copy on write. This time we're gonna be talking a little bit about Iceberg partitioning. And there's two features in particular when it comes to Apache Iceberg uh, that we want to kind of visit. There's partition evolution, which Apache Iceberg of all the table formats is the only one that has partition evolution available. And then there's hidden partitioning. And we'll talk sort of about what the benefit of these features are. Okay, which is also, again, a very unique and uh, feature to Apache Iceberg. But essentially, what makes this possible is, again, that Apache Iceberg decouples from sort of the physical file structure versus um, the previous like directory approach. So basically, if we go back to like a hive table, the way partitioning was organized was just based on how the files were organized. So if you had a folder that was a table and you had subfolders in that folder, those subfolders were partitions. And generally, the folder names would relate to what partition it was and that's generally how you'd be able to get sort of those um, more efficient read paths when you were doing a query by based on the folder names. Okay, now in Iceberg, instead of it being based on the directory structure, the structure of the files, it's going to be based on the metadata. So when you're taking a look at the metadata.json file for any Apache Iceberg table, there's two fields in that metadata file. And there's going to be the partition spec. This is going to contain a 
uh, partition details for the current um, partitioning scheme. So basically, how is the table currently partitioned? Okay, and then there's the partition specs column, which is an array of not only the current partitioning scheme, but all previous partitioning schemes. Okay, so that way, these other layers of the metadata, we can then refer to how different writes were partitioned based on their index in this array. Okay, so you know this this data was partitioned by partitioning scheme zero, one, two, three, um, and then based based on this array, we can then go back and then apply that partitioning for planning purposes. And this opens up a lot of different possibilities. It opens up the ability to have multiple partitioning schemes on different parts of the data. So you could be partitioning your data by year, you know, because maybe your the amount of intake of data it makes sense to partition your data by year at first. But then later on, you're intaking more, ingesting more and more data quicker and quicker. So you're going to want to maybe go to month partitioning or day partitioning, hour partitioning, and you'll be able to make that switch without having to rewrite all that previous data. Okay. So basically, that partitioning just gets applied to all new data being written um, and so forth. But again, that array has a detail of all of those like uh, partitioning specs. So when we take a look at a, an individual partitioning spec object, Essentially, again, each specification has an ID. So again, that ID is going to be how they refer to it throughout the metadata. So that way, hey, we know which one of those specs in that array is we wrote this data with. And it's going to have all these kind of fields. So basically, in that, you're going to have the fields. And it's going to basically have the details for like each field that is part of the partitioning scheme. So saying, OK, hey, you're partitioning by this field, which has this particular field ID. Um, this is the name of that field. And whether that field has a particular transform on top of it. So um, there are many different transforms that you can apply when you're partitioning, which is really cool. And this is going to lead into sort of why hidden partitioning is a thing, because those transforms are what, because instead of having to create additional data, because again, going back to how Hive worked, if you wanted to like partition by month, you would then have to take your timestamp field and make another field that tracks the month and then partition based on that additional field. But here, you can actually specify a transform and say, hey, I want to partition by the timestamp, but I want to you know, part partition it by day or partition it by month. You're not creating an additional field. You're not creating an additional column that you have to track. So there's plenty of different uh, transforms that are built into Iceberg. Okay, Some of the, the highlighted ones are like a bucket. Okay, So if you just want to arbitrarily kind of split your data up, again, you know, n number of buckets. Um, truncate, if you want to do it based on the truncated value of that field. And then there's all the uh, time ones, so year, month, day, hour. So you can partition your data, e any timestamp field, any date field, uh, easily uh, in that manner. And again, all that's going to be tracked in the metadata. That's the kind of the key point here. So in that case, the actual planning is all going to occur when you're reading the metadata um, instead of versus Hive, where it's all being done through like you know listing files and uh, evaluating directories, which takes a lot longer. So you're going to get you're going to get that speed boost, but then you also get the benefit of the partitioning, being able to scan less files. So you're getting a speed boost at multiple levels. So even after you create your table, and again, this is the point of partition evolution, is like after you create your table, you may have partitioned the table in a particular way, okay? But what you can do is you can add additional partitioning rules. So you can see here we're running alter table statements where we can add partitioning fields. You can also add, subtract. Um, partitioning fields and you know you see we're applying transform so we're saying hey you know what we want to partition the data field based on truncating its value to four characters and so forth or we're going to say we want to part we want to partition by this timestamp field based on years 
Okay, so we have this nice sort of syntax where we can say, hey, this field, but we want to transform this field in this way. And again, then the engines can then interpret that as it reads a metadata from there, which is really cool. So, so that's partition evolution. Now for hidden partitioning. So as we mentioned earlier, in Hive, what would happen is you'd have to create like an additional field. So basically what would happen is that when I'm partitioning the field, so here I'm saying, hey, I want to partition, I would have to create like an additional month column. So you see here, what I'm doing is I'm creating the table and I say, okay, hey, let's take the existing name, procedures, visit time field from this other table, but we're going to create another field that's basically we create where we basically it's a month value based on that visit time field that we call visit month. And then we're partitioning it based on that field. So you're creating a whole other column. Okay, so that's a, so you're, you're holding on to more data, but on top of it, what's gonna happen is that when you query the table to benefit from that partitioning, even if you query based on the visit time, so even though I'm saying, hey, get me the data between this timestamp and this timestamp, in order for me to get the benefit of that partitioning, I still have to use include this, this extra additional filter. I have to be like, because it's, since it's partitioned by that field, I have to filter by that field or else it's just gonna scan the full table. So what happened is that if you were uh, a data consumer who wasn't aware of this additional field visit month and you didn't query by it, and you, you did what would come naturally, query by the timestamp field, you're gonna end up scanning the full table and getting a much slower query. Hidden partitioning eliminates that because all that partitioning is in the metadata. If you partition the field that has the transformed applied to it, the engine knows, oh, well, we, we are partitioning by that field, the timestamp field, because again, we are just partitioning by month using the month transform on visit time. We're not creating an additional field. So the metadata will still recognize, hey, this is the field that's partitioned by, but the partitioning is based on month. And basically from the consumer's point of view, they don't have to put any additional filters. They're just gonna get that more efficient scan without having to write the extra filters or predicates in their query. So that's the benefit of hidden partitioning. So partition evolution, makes it where you can evolve your partitioning without having to rewrite your table every time. And then hidden partitioning makes it where it's less likely that the people who consume your data are gonna end up having slower scans because they didn't add the, the additional predicates because they won't need to. They can just fill, query the data as they naturally would. Um, so that's a little bit about those two features. With that, we're gonna get into uh, Apache Iceberg Office Hours. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is take a look at the questions. So again, um, Start putting in questions in the Q&A you have about Iceberg and I'll, I will parlay them uh, uh, among the team. Okay, so the first question we have is from uh, Fred Utips. Okay, um, is Dremio efficient to, efficient to build Iceberg table from existing parquets? Do you recommend using an external Spark to do a migration task? I'm using Dremio CTAS to create Iceberg tables to migrate existing data, but most of the time Dremio creates too many partitions, almost one per record. This is true when using bucket transform partitioning. Even bucket 10 XXX makes Dremio become crazy. Um, does anyone want to speak to specifically like um, uh, that kind of operation in Dremio? Yeah, so I can I can speak to that. So so in term when you're using CTAS in Dremio, the default behavior will be in terms of you can specify the partitioning scheme, but in terms of how we distribute the data before writes, uh, we will not, using a default CTAS, uh, 
do any sort of forced distribution to minimize the number of files we write. But there is an option on CTAS uh, where if you do uh, create table and when you're specifying partition by, there's a, a hash partition by clause. So if you use the hash keyword, that will force a hash-based distribution on your partition keys prior to the writes, and that should reduce the number of uh, data files that we're writing. So it's a trade-off between uh, write speed and uh, read speed on that table. So if, if you if you want to optimize for, for reads after you create the table, you can use that hash partition by. Your CTAS will run longer because we need to uh, shuffle the data around prior to the writes, but it, it should optimize the, the data file sizes for you. Cool, 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 cool. And okay. there's, there's uh, doc, if you go to the, the CTAS page in our documentation, there's uh, some information on the, the hash partition by clause, I believe. Got it. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Uh, next question we have is, how do you deploy Iceberg technology on-premise? So um, I can speak to this one. Um, so bottom line, when it comes, if you want to use uh, Iceberg on-premise, it really comes down to sort of like the tools that you're using. So if you're using, for example, Dremio on-premise, Iceberg is just as easy as connecting it to your data sources, which could be your Hadoop cluster. It could be your object storage, whether it's one of the clouds or you're running like a, min a Minio. And then basically Dremio will write to Iceberg cables into those sources if you're writing using Dremio and it can read Iceberg cables on those sources. So it just matters sort of like what your on-premise technology is using. Or if you have like a Hive, uh, if you're, you have a Hive server running or Hive instance running uh, in your on-premise infrastructure, you can use that as your Iceberg catalog uh, when you're interacting between sort of Dremio, Spark and other tools uh, that support the Hive catalog and uh, Apache Iceberg. But it's gonna come down to sort of like what catalog, what what catalog you want to use and um, what tools you're using, what they can connect to as far as catalogs. Um, so uh, would anyone want to add anything else or is that going to cover that? Yeah, I would add, uh, like choosing the catalog is, is actually a very important uh, decision because some catalogs uh, perform better than, uh, than others. For example, Hadoop, the Hadoop catalog, looks very easy to get started with. Like if you just want to play with uh, with Iceberg, you can use the Hadoop catalog, which essentially just requires a file system to exist. And then you can you can use a Hadoop catalog on the file system and have have a, uh, some interaction with Iceberg tables. However, for production use, it can be actually pretty tricky because uh, the Hadoop catalog does not support atomic changes very well. So generally not recommended for production use. So if you moving from like just experimentation phase to production, then you need to put more thought into like using Hive or like there, there is a multiple multitude of catalogs uh, like AWS Glue, the REST catalog and Nessie is one of the options as well. Right, cool, cool, cool. Um, and then this one uh, I'll, I'll send to you, Ajanta. Uh Tell us about the biggest advantages of Iceberg over traditional R, uh, um, traditional database management systems. Yeah, uh, I, th I, th uh, I think with the lakehouse, we are getting closer to ha having what were the cap capability of the data warehouse and the relational databases coming to the data lakes. But the major problem Iceberg, which is so solving is with the uh, big, big data engine like Spark, you know, Dremio, 
whatever we had it was not having a it was not providing a asset capability by default and also now with the catalogs we can also support multi table transaction and yeah now we can even use a data as a code along with the iceberg i think which is one of the major advantage with the iceberg awesome um cool cool and next question um when you changed partitioning scheme what happens to your five years worth of data you already have do i have the option of applying the new partitioning scheme at all or just new data so i mean the uh, let's start off like um the the benefit of a partitioning evolution is so you don't have to rewrite the old stuff so i mean if you wanted to have the old stuff um you know, in the new partitioning, you could, uh, I'm pretty sure you could probably just do like a rewrite data files or do um, some of these other operations on there to rewrite the data. Um, but the idea, the benefit is, is that way you could evolve the evolution now, of change the way the new data is written now without having to spend the time to rewrite, let's say petabytes of data uh, in the past. Um, would anyone else want to say anything else on this one? Yeah, I, I, I think you have covered all the points. It is like uh, whatever the uh, whatever the partition evolution is just a metadata operation. So it is applicable for the new rights. What whatever happens after the partition evolution, the old files will not be modified, and it has to go to the rewrite data file for them to use the new stuff. Mm -hmm. Yep. So bottom line is like anytime you want your 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 data files to kind of be to look different, then you're going to run, run that rewrite data files. That's going to basically go back, take a look at all your data files and rewrite them. That's for purposes of like compaction, sorting, uh, clustering, whatever whatever it is you're trying to achieve as far as organizing your data um, can be done through that rewrite uh, data files procedure. Um, next question, assuming an organization doesn't use Hadoop or Spark clusters and doesn't have much in terms of cloud assets, can Iceberg still be considered and provide value uh, still be considered and provide value in an enterprise. So basically they're not using Hadoop or clusters. Um, well, to start that off, like one big value of Apache Iceberg is, is that it makes it more possible or makes it more practical to do more data workloads on your data lake. So you don't necessarily have to be using Hadoop or Spark. You could be using object storage in Dremio and that's all you're using. It's still gonna make, add value to that. So that way you don't have to spend as much money on using uh, any kind of data cloud or data warehouse uh, to do a lot of workloads that you could offload onto your data lake because you're using Apache Iceberg as part of your your mix. Um, so I mean that's sort of the key value um, that the idea of being like I can do more with my data lake, which means I have to spend less uh, using other tools that might cost more. Um, and then anybody else want to add yeah, anything? Yeah, just just to add to this, I mean, generally engines like uh, like distributed data processing engines like Spark. I integrate it well with with Iceberg, and you can use them to just seamlessly operate on your data. However, if you just have your custom custom process data processing, uh, you know, code, you can still operate on Iceberg tables from your from your custom code. You don't have to go through Spark, right? Because Iceberg has well defined Java APIs. You can just uh, compile against those APIs and operate on the tables. But then, of course, you take the responsibility for for handling all the all the load, right? That, that uh, Spark and other engines usually take care of. But then it's your responsibility. But uh, it's still possible to do reads and writes against other tables. For that matter, you can actually do 
for example, writes from your custom code into, into an iceberg table, but use Spark for, for running queries. That's also a possible situation. Okay, awesome. Um, next question. Um, this one I'll send Scott's way. Do you recommend to use Dremio to migrate a huge amount of data, Parquet files, to Iceberg or an external solution like Spark? Yes. Yeah, so I think that the answer to that will depend on your Dremio version. Uh, we've got some things coming up in the next release. So, and also depend on the, the, the types of files. So for Parquet, we have some things on the roadmap, like, but the the current solution would be in Dremio, you're using uh, CTAS uh, to essentially promote the parquet files as a table in Dremio, and then use CTAS to create a iceberg table out of those. And that that is a, a viable approach. Uh, if you look at Spark, I believe they have ways where you can create the iceberg metadata around a set of parquet files. Uh, we don't have that capability yet in Dremio. So that'd be a use case where I don't want to rewrite all my parquet files. I can just I can just build up an iceberg table around them. Like I, I believe that's that's a capability in Spark. Um, and in I don't know if we've if we've announced around the twenty four capabilities, but we're we're looking at building out more and more of these iceberg write path capabilities in Dremio, and we've we've got a number of great improvements coming in in our next update. Uh, and that, that's more focused around like text and JSON. Like if I have a bunch of text and JSON files, I want to build an iceberg table out of that. Uh, essentially having like a copy into uh, functionality. And that's that's something on the on the horizon, very, very near horizon for Dremio. So I think the the short answer is there's there's still a lot of the very evolved write capabilities in Spark for building out iceberg. Uh, so that that usually is a pretty good choice, but but Dremio increasingly like we're really investing heavily in in making Dremio a first class citizen and uh, serving those workloads. Cool. So uh, just add one little bit to that. Um, so yes, yeah, so a lot of, a lot of really cool stuff coming up in in upcoming versions. Um, but the sec but as mentioned, like there's a way in Spark to add files. It's actually called the add files procedure. So essentially. If you don't want to rewrite, so right now with Dremio, you could use CTAS whatnot to rewrite data into an iceberg table. But if you wanted to use your existing Parquet files, then you would want to use Spark to use the add files procedure, at least at the moment. Uh, and what that would do is just register, basically, you'll, it's just a metadata operation saying, okay, hey, table, these files are now part of the table on the next, at a new snapshot. So uh, that is a deal. Okay. Um, so cool, cool, cool. Next question. When yeah, you just, uh, uh, sorry, Alex, just to, to add a little bit of like also like with uh, with uh, Dremio Arctic, it's also possible to combine using the Dremio engine Sonar and Spark on the same data, right? So, for example, if you start off an iceberg uh, uh, an Arctic catalog and use Spark to generate uh, basically convert Parquet files into iceberg tables using that catalog. Then you'd be able to query it from from the Dremio side at the same time by just sharing the same catalog from from both Spark, the Spark engine, and Dremio. So Arctic makes it possible. Yes, uh, yes, and the Dremio Arctic catalog is super super cool. And again, for those aren't who aren't as familiar with the Dremio Arctic, just to kind of recap, like basically, with, it's a it's a catalog. You literally can create one by a click of a button right there from the Dremio UI, and it can connect. You can connect all your favorite tools to it. So 
Dremio, Spark, uh, Flink, Presto can all connect to it. And then you basically get capabilities such as like branching, merging, tagging. Those are really cool functionality when you're working with your Iceberg catalog. So a super, super, super cool technology. Um, next question, when you partition an Iceberg table by timestamp, are there hidden partitions for year, month, date automatically created? No. Oh, basically you have to pass the transform. So kind of going back to this slide over here. So notice here, when I created the table, I've specified the transform that I want to apply on the field that I'm partitioning by. So in this case, it's only gonna partition it by month, not by day, not by year. You have to specify those partitions um, at that time. So if I just said partitioning, if I just pass a timestamp field with no transform, it's gonna partition it by every unique value. So pretty much every record, it's gonna have its own partition, which wouldn't necessarily be very efficient. Um, but if you do it by this way, it'll, what it'll do is that when it's organizing the data, it'll transform the value first and then, then organize the data. Um, and then again, you can always change that later on through like ultra statements here where I can then, you know, add other fields or add additional transforms to fields that I'm already partitioning by, by just saying, Hey, I want to add this. So if I was already partitioning by years, I could just do this add partition field and just say day. I don't have to go back and separately remove years. It'll just now uh, do both. Um, so that'll be the story on that. Um, next question, I'll toss out to whoever wants it. How do you control metadata sprawl if you have high velocity merge delete operations? We can use the rewrite manifest operation, which is supported by Iceberg. So we can again control the metadata like how we want based on the target size. So even if 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 you have too many small files of metadata created by a lot of deletes, we can group them into one bigger metadata. Okay. And next question is. Can you recommend a specific resource, YouTube channel, blog post, or link for review of Iceberg technology and to expand one's understanding of Iceberg tables? Now, I'll point you to a couple of resources. Of course, the Iceberg documentation is always a good place to go. Um, but also here at Dremio, we've come out with two blog posts that aggregate a lot of resources. So the first one is our Apache Iceberg 101 post, which is actually like a video series that goes through a lot of the, concept, a lot of the concepts, a lot of the features uh, in Apache Iceberg, but also has links to articles all over the web from Dremio, Basically, every article and resource and tutorial you'd want an iceberg kind of all aggregated in one place. There is also the Apache Iceberg FAQ article that's in the Apache, uh, I mean, the Dremio blog. Um, and that also similarly aggregates it, but it does it a little bit differently. So instead of it structuring as like a video course with a bunch of links, that one basically what it does is it's a bunch of questions. It has answers to those questions in the article, but then further links out for more depth to uh, the resources that would go even further deep in, on the answers to those questions. So I would think of those as like the best starting place because you just kind of have a lot of things kind of aggregated in one place and both and organized in both of those articles. Um, but then again, there's also the Apache Iceberg documentation, which is which is pretty solid as well. Um, any additional resources I should mention? Okay. Um, cool. Next question. Do you think? it's possible to replace my data warehouse with a lake house powered by Apache iceberg or any other query engine. That is the dream. That's, that's the hope. And for the most part, that functionality is being, um, 
built in. I mean, basically, you know, you now have the ability to do multi-table transactions. You have asset transactions because of things like Apache Iceberg. You have Dremio that makes basically governing your data in your data lake house and organizing your data in your data lake house uh, and really giving you that sort of easy one place to do stuff feel. So, I mean, with all these pieces put together and Apache Arrow really kind of being that glue for how data is transported among all of it, um, I think to me that answers is, is increasingly becoming yes. Um, of course, there's always more things that are coming down the road to make that even a stronger yes. But um, does anyone else want to opine any further on, on that question? Cool, cool, cool. Um, next, can I partition on year visiting time, month visit time? So keep partition different year, different years separate. Um, I think the answer is just yes, right? You, you can you can partition as many transformers as you want. Yeah, and one one note on that that the month transform is not uh, like one through twelve. You can think of it as the number of months since January nineteen seventy, I think, something like that. So it it implicitly has uh, it's essentially like a year plus a month, and the day transform is similar. So. If I have a day transform, I don't need to add year and month transforms on it. And if I have month transform, I don't need to add year. And I believe if you try to do a create table with both of those on the same column, it will prevent it. At least it, I tried to, there, as of six months ago, I think that was the behavior. But that's kind of how I understand it working. Got it. Okay, that's really cool. Okay. So... Just to kind of recap that. So basically they're cumulative. So in essentially, you know, you're going to be capturing year and month or the granularity at the higher granularity. So it's not like a hive where when you did that month function, it would generate a value of one through 12. So you had to do year and month separate here. It, it'll, it'll, it'll think that through ahead of for you. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, a relative, and if you're, oh, sorry, just one, one final thing on that. I, if you go to the iceberg documentation for the partition transforms, I think they, they kind of call this out, though it's a little, it's not extremely explicit, but but they kind of talk about the, it's like the number of months since the, the epoch or something, I believe. Cool, 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 cool. Um, okay, next question. Are the relatives, and I'll toss this out to whoever wants it, are relative paths to parquet files supported in the manifest? I recall this was a limitation of earlier versions of Iceberg. Yeah, I can tell you this limitation still exists. Uh, 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 the guys from Apple are working on a requirement to support relative power for the met metadata, which can also help in move, moving the parquet files in S3 from one bucket to other without changing the metadata again. So yeah, as of, as of now, it is still a limitation. So maybe in this quarter, yeah, they might work on it. Cool, cool. Okay, so coming soon. Uh, what issues can one expect if attempting to skip cloud data warehouse technology? So just not have a data warehouse at all, like Snowflake, Azure, Synapse, BigQuery, Redshift, and instead use an on-premise MySQL server and Oracle databases feeding into Dremio and Iceberg as a future data warehouse replacement. I'll see if anyone has any media thoughts on that. Yeah, I guess the, the clarifying question I'd ask is, would, is, is there just, are you, you pulling data immediately, like out of the Oracle and MS SQL server and 
creating iceberg tables out of them and then just the queries are running against the iceberg tables or are you querying against Oracle and SQL Server? And I think there'll be performance differences based on the choices there. And if you're copying in iceberg tables, then there'll be, yeah, I'm trying to think. In terms of managing the incremental copies, I think there's there's questions about how that would, like I'm not as familiar with those workflows and Jeremy, it's a little outside of my area expertise. I don't know, Alex, if you're familiar with that. Um, what I would say is this, I 100% agree that there'd be different performance depending on how you're doing it. So if you're just gonna connect SQL Server and Oracle to Dremio, and then just run queries directly from that data from there, um, it's gonna generally be as, I mean, basically the, the performance of the underlying data source is gonna affect the performance of Dremio. So basically your particular Oracle, your particular SQL Server, its performance and how your performance is in that database is going to affect your performance on Dremio. There are ways to alleviate that. So Dremio has a feature called data reflections. So that essentially from a high level, you can just think of it as like kind of a materialized view. I mean, really what's kind of doing is actually going to create like an iceberg uh, representation uh, of the data that it will use to accelerate queries on that data. So generally, if you are going to virtualize your data, so you, you you're just, instead of moving the data somewhere else, you're just gonna keep the data on SQL, keep the data on Oracle, maybe join some of those tables together. I would then turn on data reflections on those tables to improve performance. So that way you're you're querying sort of the iceberg materialization, uh, which will be kept in sync with the data based on whatever refresh settings you you put on the table. Um, but um, that'll, that'll also, again, make it where the, the underlying source becomes less of a potential bottleneck. Um, making that virtualization a little bit more practical. Um, but again, I, as I think you're kind of alluding to, I think, yeah, down the road, what you'd want to do eventually is, is set up some sort of system where you're moving that data into an iceberg catalog proper. Um, and that being sort of the main, the main place you're querying your data. And then you can kind of just not use a data warehouse. Like that's essentially the, the end goal in the sense that you could just connect all your, all your sources of data to Dremio. Dremio can help you move the data around. Dremio can help you query the data. And then again, people who need to ingest that to like locally for like local ad hoc queries on, you know, via like Polars, Park, um, Pandas or DuckDB or something like that locally, they can just connect via like a Apache Aerofly and just pull that data down. Um, and essentially then it's like, well, do you need the data warehouse anymore at that point? Again, there'll be still, there's always every platform has like their, their strengths and weaknesses. So there's always gonna be like those like edge cases where you're like, okay, well, at least at this moment, there's this advantage to using X and Y, but I would say more and more so like most for the majority of your use cases, uh, Dremio has a, so will have some sort of solution uh, making aware basically whether you need a data warehouse, more of a question. And then if you do need a warehouse, how many times you actually need it are a lot less because the Dremio platform can offload a lot of that. Um, so, but go back, going back to the Oracle SQL thing, if you're going to have other sources other than like iceberg tables or object storage, um, then you're going to want to make sure you're making use of that data reflections feature to to um, limit uh, the bottlenecks that other, not again, the things external to Dremio um, can't control um, because then Dremio then has like that materialization built in to accelerate things. And again, Dremio will manage keeping that in sync. So then 
basically you, you just turn it on and it'll just work. Um, and that's the beauty of it. Um, cool. So this, that, um, already answered that. Uh, follow up to relative path question. Is there a method to change the existing path to parquet files and manifest after the file directory move? Uh, as, of, as of now, it is not it is not there because Iceberg won't recommend moving the files. Uh, so because even if we use a rewrite FS action, it is just gonna read the current manifest and it is gonna write, but it won't know that path which it got changed. So yeah, we need a relative path feature. There is a workaround to it, uh, like. For example, you, you move the files to some other bucket, you can discard the exi existing metadata files you have and you can freshly generate the metadata like you like using the egret procedure or you can add these files to an add files to a new empty table. But uh, the caveat is that uh, if you have some orphan files, even those orphan files will be re registered as a live file. So you, ma you, ma you, ma you might have to run the remove orphan file pro 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 procedure just before you move the data and then you can freshly generate the metadata. In that way, it should work. Cool. Okay, and then again, if anyone has any additional questions, please put them in the Q&A. Let me actually just take a quick look at the chat to see if there's any questions floating around in there. Uh, let's see here where I bring that up right over here. Let's see here. Okay, here we have a question. Um, okay, so for you, Dimitri, how could I use a tool like Project Nessie for an on-prem data lake? So Project Nessie is a completely open source uh, implementation of an iceberg catalog actually has two components so one component is actual project Nessie which is a, a separate thing and then it has a, a, a Nessie catalog inside the Apache iceberg project that you can use to connect to a Nessie server so what how can you use it so basically you're thinking about like you need to start a Nessie server and manage it Project Nessie provides uh, Docker images and all, all, all the usual stuff that people use in the cloud, like there are examples for in Helm charts for, for deploying stuff in the cloud, for example. Once the server is up and running, then you just uh, configure your iceberg jobs with the, the appropriate catalog property so that it knows it's a Nessie catalog and is able to communicate with the server and off you go. Awesome. Um, next question. If I have a Hive catalog on-prem, but would want to migrate to Dremio Arctic, is that possible? So like, what would be the uh, path to migration to like a Dremio Arctic catalog? Yeah, actually, I'm working on an awesome tool, which is going to do exactly this, because the, the users might be using a Hadoop catalog, and they might realize that, OK, it's not a production recommended catalog, so I need to move to some other catalog or they are are they want to use arctic so i am working working on an open source cli tool by which we can move the iceberg tables from one catalog to other in a bulk i think by 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 next time we we catch up for this uh, iceberg server that the tool will be publicly available that is very 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 cool super cool um Next, can I stream into an iceberg tables and query those tables from Dremio? Anyone want to speak to iceberg streaming? Yeah, so there's two scenarios here. So if you're streaming and it's an append only streaming where you're just inserting new rows that is supported today, 
if you're using a tool like Flink to do CDC change data capture, uh, where you're making modifications to existing rows, those will manifest as a quality deletes. And we have a we have a early implementation of that, but it's not enabled in a, in public releases right now. So that's kind of work on the horizon, on the near horizon. Uh, where we're looking to to support more of those change data capture streaming uh, scenarios in Dremio. Cool. Awesome. And again, if anyone has any last minute questions, I'll give it. I'll leave this open for like another thirty seconds. Oh, here we go. Uh, Dremio documentation. I read about iceberg maintenance tasks around iceberg cables. Uh, always use Spark or SQL targeting stored procedure for compaction cleaning or for files. It's about the some of these some of these stored procedures in Dremio. Um, well, I'll give a, a, a briefer answer to that and then I'll open it up. Um, there, I, soon, I guess it would be the, the, the short answer, uh, soon. That is gonna be something that is um, forthcoming to be able to do uh, some of that um, stuff like compaction and cleaning orphan files and stuff. A lot of that kind of cleanup maintenance type work uh, from actual like Dremio commands. Um, does it, does yeah, anyone yeah, know a little bit? Just, just, hmm? Yeah, just to clarify a little bit, uh, what Alex is referring to is going to be available in Dremio, but it's not exactly the same thing as you do it in Spark. And hopefully, we hope it will be actually use, more usable and easier for, for users because uh, it would be more declarative. You, you, you don't actually have to, to tell, like run this procedure, like do this and do that. You just configure uh, an optimization on your iceberg table and Dremio will take care of, of running actual procedures, figuring out what needs to be cleaned up for you automatically. So just a, a nicer way to do similar, like tedious tasks that people do in Spark. Okay, so that's pretty cool. So again, coming up, it's coming soon. And not only is it gonna be, and it's going to be better because it's gonna be easier. Yes, and we like easy because, you know, we wanna make the data lake easy and fast. And that's what we, that's what we do. Okay, uh, right, happy right, to see yeah, the next week. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> just a little bit. Maybe if I jump, I might, might want to comment because I believe that it should still be possible even now to run the exact Spark procedures using, like for example, if you use uh, the Arctic catalogs to, ho to host uh, actual tables, then it should be possible to use uh, Spark procedures even now, Is it right, Ajanta? Yeah, uh, we can call the Spark. Spark procedure. Uh, I, th I, th I think the question, question was without a Spark engine, can Dremio engine itself do that? Yeah. With Spark, with Ar Arctic catalog is still possible. Assuming partition on year and month, will partition skipping work for predicate visit time between timestamp and timestamp, which is at, say, the microsecond granularity? Um, I'll let you guys speak to that. I, 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 for a reason, I think there's some microsecond stuff, but go for it. Uh, well, Dremio at this point does not like we don't we don't have the engine support for microsecond precision. Like everything will be uh, converted to millisecond precision. Like if you're reading Parquet files with micro or nano, I believe. Um, but if it's Within within the precision that Dremio supports, if if you have a timestamp column and then that is has a partition transform on it, uh, 
say the month partition transform, you can just enter in like we'll support for like a between clause. You can just enter in arbitrary timestamp values, and then we will we will consider that a valid for uh, as a push down as a partition pruning uh, push down filter, and that 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 will get applied by you know we'll pass it to icebergs expression evaluation which kind of handles all this uh translation of oh i've i've got some expression on this timestamp column and then iceberg knows oh i've got a a partition transform on it and we'll evaluate that expression and say okay yeah these data files match that that condition um, there there's a bunch of limitations in terms of the complexity of expressions that we'll push down but for things like uh basically any sort of range expression like between equals not equals uh less than greater than those sorts of things uh will all get pushed down okay awesome um next following up to what scott said can i use databricks cdc and put data in iceberg which should handle the updates as well so can i use databricks cdc i my Initial reaction would be saying no, because wouldn't Databricks CDC be mainly uh, gear formatted for like a different formats? But I, I don't know much about how Databricks CDC works. To... Yeah, like I'm not familiar there, but yeah. if if they're creating iceberg tables, it would depend if they are if if the iceberg table has equality deletes in it. And you can go back, I think the last office hours we had, Alex, I think you talked about positional mm -hmm. versus quality deletes and all that information. Mm -hmm. So there should be a recording out there where they would give you kind of an overview of, of the mechanics of these things. But for the quality deletes in iceberg tables, which is a special form of row-level deletes, we don't yet have public engine support. There's, It's in our private builds right now. We're kind of working through some implementation details of that before we release it to the public but uh that that would be the condition in which okay if if any sort of cdc uh engine is applying changes to iceberg tables if they don't create a quality leads Dremio will support it if they do then we we don't yet have support for that Got it. Okay. So in summary, basically, it'll depend on the specific way that CDC paradigm works. Um, and also, again, the differences between how engines have implemented Iceberg so far. So again, Iceberg has a spec that says, okay, hey, we have equality deletes, position deletes, all these different things. And then every engine still has like to implement uh, those specs. So you, you'll see like different engines are going to be have implemented different things differently. So it will be on a case-by-case -case basis. But again, with specifically Databricks CDC, I'm not aware that that supports uh, anything outside of their sort of their own in-house format. So um, if you are able to write Iceberg uh, CDC from Databricks, then um, then again, it just depends on how they, how that CDC is written. Um, so that we, there would need to be, uh, we would, something we can follow up on. Uh, yeah. And when, one final thing on that, like if it's, if it's writing to Delta Lake tables, Dremio also has support for reading those. So. Yes, yes. So Dremio can read uh, Delta Lake tables. So, uh, you would be good there. Um, same question, but also applied to millisecond. Okay, uh, and then I think you already answered that. You said Dremio does support millisecond, right? Yeah, so the 
the way I understand it, I'm like I'm not an expert on this, but in, in the scan, if, if you have a parquet file with either micro or nanosecond precision columns, we just we downgrade the precision because when mm -hmm. all computations in the engine itself are done at millisecond precision. Mm -hmm. um, right. This is okay. not we're we're looking at enhancing this in the future. There's a lot of things on our we've got a long list of kind of future roadmap things that we're we're looking to improve, but that's kind of the state of the engine today. And then oh, looks like the last question. CDC requires updates. Hootie has an index to find record using key. Iceberg does not have that yet, so very inefficient. I'm not sure that's as much of a question as a, as a statement, but um, in the sense that, like, again, when you take a look at the three different table formats, uh, they have all had different they're all still trying to build like 100% feature set. So like basically in each one kind of where they focus on developing features were kind of like where the, what they prioritize first were different from format to format. So yes, each of them are going to have certain areas where, oh, okay, they're more, you know, they have this now, but again, all of them are working towards having all the things. Um, but again, some of the things that make Iceberg particularly unique is again, just mainly like how that whole decoupling between sort of like the physical structure of the files, which does add a lot of possibilities for how things can be handled down the road and how things are evolving with the format. So I think there's still a lot to be said for that. Um, but yeah, like like Hoodie was a format that was like built with sort of like streaming in mind from the get-go because it was built for like that streaming use case over there at Uber. So, um, but again, all the formats are, are, are constantly improving their CDC features or developing CDC features and improving, um, you know, all the features all around. Um, but I mean, again, but ice, some of Iceberg's fundamental sort of uh, fundamental approaches to things, again, offer some unique possibilities, again, like partition evolution, hidden partitioning, which are things that due to the structure of other formats, they, they are things that they can't necessarily fully implement because their structure wouldn't lead to that. So, or lend to that. So just something that's just some food for thought, but um, again, each, 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 each format's evolving and it's gonna to continue to evolve and the engines that support it will continue to evolve. So it's a mix of all the pieces, like what your end result's gonna be, it's gonna be a mix of the format you choose, the engine you choose, and how you write your data and how you structure your data to get the top performance you, the top performance or the, to satisfy your use cases. So um, more of a sort of a high level uh, reflection on that question. Cool. Okay. Uh, with that, then I'm going to say we're going to call it there. I see no more questions. It's been fab fabulous having you all here. Uh, again, thank you to the panel for coming here and answering questions. It's been uh, super insightful and super useful. And again, we'll be doing this again. So keep an eye out here on Gnarly Data Waves. We'll probably be doing this every like six to eight weeks. So keep an eye out for that. Um, again, next week, we'll be doing the economic impact of the data lake house. So we'll be talking about like taking a look at actual implementations of a data lake house and sort of the amount of money that it saved uh, those users when they actually implemented a data lake house and data lake house patterns in their data stack uh, to kind of see, okay, what is the actual sort of financial benefit of, of, of seeking out these kind of architectures? Um, and then the following week will be Hadoop modernization about how to take existing Hadoop infrastructure and start modernizing it with, uh, with, with a lot of the modern practices and tools. Um, but with that, again, Thank you all for stopping by. Again, this, this will be posted on Spotify and on YouTube the next 24 to 48 hours. So do subscribe on both platforms and anywhere you listen to podcasts. And again, uh, thank you, Ajanta. Thank you, Dimitri. And thank you, Scott, uh, for your time today. And um, yeah, we'll see you all next week. <laughs>